Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views, and it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? <laughs> Something epic. This is Paratroop Radio. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And right off, we would like to wish you a very Merry Christmas. We hope that your week has been going well. And of course, that your Christmas or holiday season is going to be a good one. Um, you know, it, this this season has just been crazy. Like, it's been so busy. Time has been flying. And it's kind of crazy to me that within, you know, 24 hours of this recording being released, everything's going to just die. There's going to be nothing happening (laughs) for months. Well, I mean, we still have the new year yet, but yeah, it's uh, once Christmas hits, it's just kind of lull because Christmas and New Year's are kind of back to back. So, right. So we had spent a lot of time over like literally the last couple of months trying to figure out what we should do for Christmas episode, because, you know, as we've said, <laughs> sorry, in the past, uh, we have talked about a lot and we have recovered a lot, but I was going through, you know, doing some research, scrolling through, you know, the, the internet, mm-hmm. and I ended up finding some stuff on the history of Christmas trees. And I realized that we actually never did an episode, like a full episode. Jeez, uh, sorry, guys. I'm st- I'm getting over being sick. Like last week, I was pretty sick, and so like I have this weird itch or tickle in my throat that always makes me want to cough or sneeze, and it's weird lately. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we never did a full episode on the history of the Christmas tree. And I ended up finding that uh, there's a couple of sites out there that cover the history of the Christmas tree, I think starting from 1510. Um, But nonetheless, it's pretty vast because there's a lot of different uh, beliefs behind the Christmas tree. Uh, And there are beliefs or opinions as to what the tree actually represents. Uh, So I think without much further ado, we should just, probably jump right into it yeah the, the one thing as i was looking through the article like what we are led to believe is that the christmas tree kind of comes from paganism which t- in a sense it does but this article kind of goes in a little more depth as to like different cultures competing as to who actually created the christmas tree as well Right. Uh, And I guess that's probably where we should start. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. So 
just for reference, and of course, we'll have the link in the show notes, but this is, at least this article that I'm starting with is coming from nationalgeographic.com. Obviously, we're not sponsored, which we were, but I love Nat Geo. Uh, there's just so many things that you can learn through them. Uh, so with that said, <clears throat> there are competing claims in Northern Europe about who adopted the Christmas tree first. Those two places are Latvia and Estonia. They both claim to have been home to the first Christmas tree. And Latvia traces Christmas tree traditions back to 1510 when a merchant guild called the House of the Black Heads, interesting name, uh, carried a tree through the city, decorated it, and later burned it down. Meanwhile, Estonia has countered those claims saying that it has evidence of a similar festival hosted by the very same guild in its capital, uh, capital city, Tallinn, in 1441. So significantly amount of time earlier. Uh, Almost 100 years to, difference. Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, 60 years it's difference. Like, yeah. Uh, to Lat- Latvia. Now, historians have actually casted doubt on both of those claims uh a, a person by the name of gustavus uh strenga of the national library of latvia and riga t- latvia in riga uh, i think it's riga maybe it's riga uh, no, idea. no idea folks no idea uh told new york times in 2016 that the guild's festivities were likely unrelated to christmas but that hasn't of course stopped these two countries from fighting for bragging rights. Now, we do see that quite a bit within historical claims uh, for various traditions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just because they used an item that we currently use today for one reason, in this case, Christmas, uh, people, you know, there are people who have come forward in the past uh, who have stated that they used it first, but out of context, they used it for something completely different. It's just the tree in this case that seems to look similar uh, to our, our modern version of the Christmas tree. Right. Well, and I think that's where a lot of the, all of this kind of loses context because the Christmas tree as we know it today is, is kind of what they're, they're going towards. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's the focus uh, within this article. And it, According to the beliefs of uh, Latvia and Estonia, that's what they claim, you know, is what led to our modern version of the tree. Well, what's interesting is it goes into the next part is Christmas tree origins in Germany. Mm -hmm. And um, it's... (laughs) Looking through this article when you sent it to me, I just started laughing because it's like every, almost every country you can think of in history prior to the U.S. wants to lay claim to it. So, um, this this part is interesting. That uh, instead, Cusack uh, says it's more likely that the Christmas tree as we know it was uh, actually born in Alsace region during the 16th century, now part of France, uh, but it was German territory at one point. Uh, Historical records indicate that a Christmas tree was raised in 
Strasbourg Cathedral in 1539. Now, take note of that because it's actually late, later than, than Latvia. And that the tradition has grown so popular throughout the region that the city of Freiburg banned felling trees for Christmas in 1554, meaning they outlawed cutting down Christmas trees because people were getting so into the tradition. Now, folklore offers a number of different explanations for the meaning of the tree. Some suggest that it was inspired by the Paradise Tree, a symbol of the Garden of Eden that uh, that featured in a medieval play about Adam and Eve. Others believe the Christmas tree evolved from Christmas pyramids, wooden structures decorated with evergreen uh, boughs and religious figures. Cusack doesn't believe there's any substance to those theories and said... She says the Christmas tree was intended to be religiously neutral in the context of Christianity. So the tradition caught on among German on among German families slowly evolved through the years to what we know today. Cusack says that the Protestant reformer Martin Luther, if you guys don't know who that is, uh, very prominent person in the Christian religion is often credited with being the first to put lights on the Christmas tree with candles rather than today's electric lights, which were invented in 1882 after a nighttime stroll through the forest with twinkling stars above. German emigrants took their these traditions with them as they resettled in other countries. By the 18th century, Cusack says, Christmas trees were all over Europe. So, Right now, it looks like Germany has the the claim. That's what it seems. <clears throat> now, what's interesting, though, is like with, with the folklore, I mean, this only indicates two pieces of folklore in which this tree represents. And that mm-hmm. is, of course, as you had said, <clears throat> the idea of the symbol of Garden of Eden, the Garden of Eden, geez, the Garden of Eden. I keep on saying the Garden of Evil, which, I mean, technically is probably right. <laughs> in a God um, of Vida. Yeah, (laughs) um and then the other being that the christmas tree evolved from christmas period pyramids uh there's yet a third belief in christian tradition that the christmas tree is actually a representation of the prelude uh to christ's sacrifice on a tree uh because the scripture says that his arms are outstretched upon a tree uh, and so a lot of people will use that uh there's also belief that the uh christmas tree represents a holy trinity in that it takes the form of a triangle three points uh the father son and the holy spirit a couple more things there that wasn't included in this article and i think is important to 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 know in terms of just i guess the history and what people believe the tree to, to represent now uh the trees actually despite supposedly uh being I guess having its origin within Germany, it didn't really take full root because it says that in Germany, it kind of spread throughout Europe, but that's not entirely accurate according to this article either, because it claims that the United Kingdom uh, didn't really become trendy with trees until a little bit later. Now, Queen Charlotte, the princess of Germany, of German duchy, 
who married King George III in the mid-18th century, is thought to have introduced the first Christmas tree to the royal household. But it was another British queen who made Christmas trees the seasonal icon that they are today. That person was Queen Victoria in 1848, and her husband, Prince Albert, another German transplant, by the way, who captured the imaginations of royal watchers around the world when the Illustrated London News published an illustration of their family gathered around a decorated Christmas tree. Now, Vic, uh, Queen Victoria was actually a trendsetter of her time. And so naturally, when people saw this, the tradition took off around the world. Now, of course, the most famous Christmas tree is in London, uh, which is the one that lights up, uh, I think it's Trafalgar Square every winter. Uh, this tree, of course, has rich global history of its own because in 1947, Norway started the tradition of giving the UK a Christmas tree every year as a token of gratitude for its allyship during World War II when the Norwegian government took refuge in the UK after the Nazi invasion. Hmm. So kind of like how France gave the Statue of Liberty to the U.S. Right, sort except, of. you know. They do it every year. Right. One, yeah. <laughs> right. Can you imagine if we just had like, you know. <laughs> oh, God, it's new Statue of Liberty every year. <laughs> <laughs> One Statue of Liberty in every city of America. New York, or just every in New York city. Bay, and New York Bay would just be filled with Statues of Liberty. There wouldn't be no more water. <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a monument. New York City is just a monument. It's not a place of business. <laughs> oh, man. So, you know, with that uh, tradition from, from Germany and... and the UK adopting this, uh, of course, that came to the U.S. in the 18th century um, with the the immigrants from Germany coming here and then bringing this tradition along. Um, and I think everybody can say the the most famous Christmas tree in the U.S. is the Christmas tree in Rockefeller Center, mm-hmm. um, and, and I think. To this day, I still haven't been able to see that tree in person. But I think every person watches uh, the lighting of this tree, even if you have to catch it on YouTube or something, just because of how fascinating it really is, uh, the first lighting. Um, something that I found really interesting, uh, it, it talks about uh, New Year's trees in Russia, um, but I scrolled down and found... Antarctica's scrap metal Christmas tree. Hmm. And I was like, I mean, the South Pole gets, doesn't get the the notoriety that the North Pole does this time of year. So it's so fascinating to me that Antarctica has has its own Christmas tree tradition. So uh, in this article, it says, even Antarctica has had its share of Christmas tree traditions, although there are no trees to be found in the South Pole. In 1946, crew members aboard a U.S. Navy expedition to Antarctica celebrated Christmas at sea by tying a spruce tree from Canada to their mast. More than half a century later, researchers based at the U.S. 
A Munson Scott South Pole Station created a Christmas tree out of scrap metal, complete with custom ornaments. Although the tradition belie- uh, briefly carried on, the iron workers adding new adornments each year, the National Science Foundation says the scrap metal tree is no longer part of the Christmas celebrations at the Antarctic Research Station. Which makes sense, because who knows how many people were getting frostbite or freezing trying to keep this thing up. Mm-hmm. Or who, you know, I mean, Antarctica, <clears throat> down at these stations, uh, there's, I mean, in this case, it, it was based at the U.S. Amundsen, but I'm sure there was like a, oh, I don't know, some sort of thing in, re- in regards to discrepancy on people's beliefs. Mm. And so because yeah, there's so many different too. kinds of people that are working down there, uh, that might have been one reason why they got rid of them. That could be. However, one other thing that I, I, I thought was really, I mean, there's a lot of things that I thought was interesting, but this next one actually originally in my research kept coming up as being the, the first official uh, segue into the Christmas tree. Now that, had, according to this article and one other, uh, has kind of been you know, sidelined, but you guys kind of decide for yourself because there were once Christmas boats in Greece. And now people believed, uh, scientists believed initially that uh, Christmas boats or boats that were decorated kind of like Christmas trees were the original form of the Christmas tree before being docked on land and becoming what we know today. Now, in Greece, people once decorated Christmas boats rather than trees in honor of St. Nicholas, the country's patron saint and protector of sailors. Not only would families place small wooden boats inside their homes to symbolize a welcome return from life at sea, but lighted boats took the place of honor in public squares of cities such as mm. (laughs) Thessaloniki. Okay. (laughs) Now, of course, in modern days, however, the Christmas boat has been eclipsed by the Christmas tree, as I've stated. Uh, but such boats can still be spotted in some island communities. Um, on top of that, you know, depending on where you go, you go to any large uh, city, country that's bordering, you know, a lake, a river, uh, a large river, uh, the ocean, you're bound to see multiple boats that are just decked out in lights. Mm-hmm. Now, maybe they don't take on the same meaning as what these Christmas boats did, but I'm fairly confident that it transitioned over to this, just this pretty kind of, uh, some would say romantic way of taking a boat ride with that's decked out in lighting these days. <clears throat> and I know I've seen a couple of those down in Savannah when I was, when I was down there, uh, they just, up and down the river, you see boats like that. And so here's the question, and I don't know if you saw this in the other article that you saw this on. Does this kind of happen more in more um, warmer climates? The boats? Yeah, the the decorated boats. Like originally or like nowadays? Uh, just even today, yeah. Yeah, I mean... I, I mean, I don't know. I can't say that for sure. I mean, I know there's nothing in Cleveland that I know. Of. Well, that's why I'm asking because I, I, I know I know we don't do it here in North Dakota here just because of the frigid temperatures. So, 
Yeah. No, I don't know. You know, it's, I mean, definitely nothing here. Like I said, I've seen them in, in Savannah. Um, but I think it really just, I don't know. I guess it's where I'd imagine that there's more of it in huge ports or waterways. Uh, so Savannah being one of the huge ports of the U S uh, okay. you might see the same thing in New York. Uh, also, I would say possibly on the West coast, especially maybe around uh, San Francisco. Uh, but I know I haven't seen much in the LA area. So <clears throat> don't know. Well, the, this article just goes kind of hops all over, all over the place, folks. So bear with us because that's kind of how we're doing it too. Um, I, I'm going to skip the Scandinavian one right now because I found this one and it, it's so much more hilarious than the Scandinavian uh, plundering of Christmas trees. It's called pooping locks of Catalonia and one tree adjacent tradition in Catalonia's Tio de Nadal, a hollow log with a painted face that families bring into their homes in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Children are expected to care for the Tio de Nadal by wrapping it in a blanket and leaving food and water out, out at night. Then on Christmas Day, they beat the log with sticks to make it defecate presents and treats from a hole in its rear end. According to NPR, this unusual tradition may have evolved from a pagan ritual in which people set tree trunks on fire to keep warm through the winter. I don't know how this relates to lighting a a log on fire. Um, let's see if it, it gives us any more info. But why does the log have to poop out treasures? Cusack says that may be related to the Kaganer, the figure of a defecating peasant in Catalan nativity scenes who represents the world turned upside down when it's at certain times, the poor or disenfranchised are celebrated and the lofty brought low, Cusack explains. The idea is that the feces fertilizes the earth and the Kaganer embodies civil virtues. But the true origins of this Catalan ritual remain shrouded in mystery and much like other Christmas tree lore may be lost to time. Now, that they're talking when that when they're talking about lighting the log and and it being connected to pagan ritual that's the yule log if you guys don't know um but it fascinates me that somehow somewhere it got translated into this tree should poop things out because in other lore in a nativity scene there's this guy just pooping like can you imagine just like <laughs> let me go set up my nativity scene on my mantle or something oh here's a little guy with a little turd hanging from his butt hole <laughs> we're just gonna place him right here next to jesus <laughs> that should work <laughs> oh <laughs> it's, it's, it's so it, odd yeah and, and 
we're not laughing at people's traditions, folks, but that that's the first time I've ever heard of that. I don't know about you, but I mean, I know, but I see little versions <laughs> of it, and I don't know if you can just buy these because I kind of want a pooping log now. <laughs> I mean, it's I mean... a happy looking log. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, they they paint a super happy face on it, but oh. <laughs> the picture that they show though isn't like a a hollow log. It almost looks like a bench or something. Well, well, we don't know because it's it's being respectful, not showing us his back end. I guess. So I don't know. You know, I mean, that'd probably be too much for the for this particular version of the internet that is National Geographic can't show a defecating log that would be you know there's children who come onto this website <laughs> the last thing we'll talk about then is the tree plundering in scandinavia so since the 17th century scandinavian families have dedicated a feast day to plundering their christmas trees for sweets before throwing them out observed on january 13th saint knut's day uh is named for King Canute, uh, who ruled in the 11th, cent- <clears throat> 11th century. Primarily celebrated in Sweden, the holiday is considered the 20th and last day of Christmas, unlike other countries where the Christmas period is 12 days long. I mean, for the record, they say it's 12 days lo- uh, long in the U.S., but this sh- this shit started in September, guys. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I was on my beach vacation. I stopped at a store and there were Christmas stuff. And I was like, this is not cool. I'm trying to like wrap up my summer and they're already giving us Christmas. Anyway, to celebrate St. Knut's uh, Day, families hang Christmas or hang cookies and other treats on their Christmas trees for children to raid. Uh, once a family has finished stripping the tree of its decorations, people sing while tossing it ceremoniously out the door. In Norway, the tree is chopped up and thrown in the fireplace instead. I mean, it's just, it, it's so brutal. Like, mm. here's this pretty little tree. We're going to strip it <laughs> naked, and then we're going to beat it, chop it up, and throw it in fire. And what? <laughs> yeah. It, some of these traditions that, it baffles me, but yet this article never really, like you said, comes to the conclusion who started the tradition of the Christmas tree other than Germany. Yeah, I think, I think, um, I think in my opinion, it really originates in Germany because only because uh, Latvia, Latvia and Estonia there is no facts backing up their claims. They seem to have the same claim uh, in two different periods, so six years apart. Uh, but it's just word of mouth. Apparently, there is no evidence that, like, no hard facts uh, that prove which country or if either, um, or which city, I should say, uh, had started it. So I, I do think that we stating that it origin originates in Germany is probably a fair fact or a fair assumption, but that the UK was the one who really just made it widespread throughout the world. 
So since we brought up the 12 days of Christmas, I decided to look this up because I've actually never done research on this. Okay. Do you know the whole tradition of the 12 days of Christmas? No, but I I was thinking about the 12 days of Christmas song the other day because it was on the radio. And I realized, because, you know, I I always thought like, oh, day one, they get partridge and pear tree. And day Mm. two, they get whatever it is. Well, do you, you know day one is actually Christmas Day? Okay. And it represents the birth of Jesus Christ. Mm. So it would make sense that the partridge in a pear tree or um, I do believe Christ was also represented by a dove at one point, which Ooh, is a part. The Holy par- Spirit was. Or, or yeah. Something connected to to God, Jesus, and and Christmas. Um, so that that does make sense then, because it's supposed to represent the birth of of Christ. Mm-hmm. Day well, two, good. Oh no! Well, what I was gonna say uh, was the thing that I noted because I didn't finish uh, before letting you go on there. Was that on the first day of Christmas, my true love sent to me a partridge in a pear tree, right? Mm. On the second day of Christmas, two troll doves and a partridge oh. in a pear tree. And I started realizing, do you know how many partridges in a pear trees this person has by day 12? <laughs> 12. <laughs> you know how many five golden rings they have? <laughs> like, <laughs> they have 35. It, like, I started thinking about that. Like, wait a second. Is it really saying on the 11th day of Christmas, they you know, they get 10 or whatever, 11 pipers piping, and then it just counts down as to the other gifts that they got, or on the 11th day of Christmas, are they getting 11 pipers piping, plus the 10 lords of leaping that they already have, plus the nine ladies dancing that they already have. Like, it's crazy. I think it's just a retelling of what they got for each day. I don't don't know if I can agree with that. Like, (laughs) the context says otherwise. (laughs) So this article is um, from uh, a website called christmasgenius.com. The second day uh, celebrates the life and martyrdom of St. Stephen. Hmm. Not sure who he was, so if you folks know who he is or or have looked it up, let us know. Uh, Day three is dedicated to St. John the Divine because Jesus reportedly loved him most out of all of his disciples. Day four is one of the few days which doesn't celebrate a saint. Instead, it marks the Feast of the Holy Innocents, a day to mourn the babies killed by King Herod. Day five celebrates St. Thomas Becket and his courage in opposing King Henry II's attempts to make the monarchy more powerful than the church. Uh, Day six is dedicated to St. Egwin of Worcester, who, legend says, brought forth a stream when lost in the Alps and doubted by his derisive companions. Day 7 is New Year's Eve, a time of joyous celebration both today and throughout history. It is also a time to commemorate Pope Sylvester I, a Catholic leader renowned for his generosity, patience, and willingness to work alongside the monarchy. 
in Germany, Israel, Austria, Slovenia, Hungary, Croatia, Poland, and many other Eastern Europe nation, European nations, this day is sometimes referred to as Sylvester. Uh, day 8, New Year's Day, is traditionally a time to celebrate the life of Mary Magdalene, mother of Jesus Christ. No, Mary Magdalene wasn't the mother of Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, that's not that, accurate. That's not correct. Um, day 9 remembers the deeds of Saint of two saints, Saint Gregory uh, Nazianzen and Saint Basil the Great, close friends and doctors of the church who spent their lives tending to the sick. Day 11 is special because it was the day of Jesus' naming ceremony or christening, as it were, as we'd refer to it now on this day. Jesus was officially named the Jewish in the, the Jewish temple. It is widely celebrated, and different churches commemorate it on different days, though January 3rd is thought to be the original naming day. Uh, day 11, January 4th, celebrates the life of the first American saint, St. Elizabeth Seton. She is the patron saint of Catholic schools, widows, and seafarers. And day 12, January 5th, also known as Epiphany Eve or Twelfth Night, is the final day of festive celebrations. It remembers St. John Newman, the first American bishop. He is known for his tireless efforts to bring Catholic scriptures and teachings to wider audiences. So what I find most interesting about this is that pop culture or even just modern belief, I guess, or whatever, indicates the 12 days of Christmas leading up to Christmas. So that would be Jan- uh, December 14th to the 25th. But according to your article, it actually begins on Christmas, the 25th. That's the it most modern traditions. Um, but the, the main points of the 12 days of Christmas, which is still a part of this article, uh, it says the 12 days of Christmas is the span between the birth of baby Jesus and the visit of the Magi. So it Which took mind, them 12 days to get to him. Mm-hmm. Which again, mind just mind, <laughs> sorry, mindful of every to everybody. Because uh, even though January, you know, they talk about New Year's, um, January 1st, uh, and of course, New Year's Eve. But <clears throat> again, Christ wasn't born in December. And right. theologians believe that he was born in the springtime uh, at some point. Sorry. Uh, so that is something to also just just a side note you know because there's a lot of people who still believe that jesus was born on december 25th which is not accurate and the fact is that uh the catholic church pretty much just threw christmas on the 25th to align with pagan holidays so that it would be easier to uh basically convert them right but even still yeah uh even though what i read is kind of like the modern day of what the 12 days of Christmas represents. Um, this article still says, even though, you know, we're saying the 12 days of Christmas is the span between the birth of baby Jesus and the visit of the Magi. Um, his birth is celebrated on the 25th. So mm-hmm. that even though pop culture wants us to believe otherwise, this is saying, yes, it actually starts on the celebrated day of Christ's birth. It doesn't say it's his actual birthday, 
but um it doesn't really go into anything more than that as far as the main points because it just kind of reiterates a lot of stuff uh it says also known as the 12 tides the 12 days of christmas is a festivity to celebrate the nativity of jesus the 12 days of christmas usually begins on the 25th day of december and runs till the sixth day of january the last day of the 12 days of christmas is known as the epiphany it is also called the day of the three kings Sometimes during the 12 days of Christmas, some families like to observe other feasts or other days set aside for the saints. Hmm. So to me, truthfully speaking, we should just be celebrating the birthday. But that's just my personal opinion, of course, because, I mean... I I do see what it's getting at. You know, it's not just celebrating that he was born, but that the Magi showed up and basically crowned him king in a sense, um, by by bringing him these gifts and everything. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I, I I still don't understand the twelve days of Christmas even after reading this article, but. I see it as a day of basically TV shows that I can watch on ABC Family for twelve days. For twelve days, <laughs> <laughs> and then it's over. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the you know the more we do research on on Christmas for the show, the more it really makes me question. You know, what is Christmas really about? Because as we've just read today, it's more about vanity and um, commercialism, really, because we're celebrating 12 days money than we need to on gifts, basically. Um, and then the vanity part, meaning the claim as to the original Christmas tree. Right. And that's something that's going to continue. Oh, indefinitely. I yeah. nothing's going <laughs> to change that. It, it's been that way <laughs> since the dawn of man, as far as I can tell, according to the history books. Right. But all right, folks, we're going to take a quick bait break. Um, you've been listening to Paratruth Radio, and uh, you're going to hear a quick commercial, and we'll be right back. Hello. Welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo, and for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. I'm Justin. 
And we have been talking about the Christmas tree and the 12 days of Christmas, which surprisingly does not include a Christmas tree. Right. <laughs> Even though the song says a pear tree, but a pear tree still isn't technically a Christmas tree. Right. I mean, I guess it could be. It, but I mean, if you decorated it. Yeah. Just not the traditional Christmas tree that we think of. Yeah. You know that there's actually pear ornaments. Like, what if I got a pear tree and decorated it with pear ornaments? Would that be redundant? Uh... In my opinion, yes, but somebody else's traditions, I feel we'd be shitting on their traditions, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> like the pooping log. <laughs> like the pooping log, yeah. It literally shits tradition. <laughs> <laughs> oh, So out of all of the stuff we've talked about, I mean, me personally, the, the pooping log and then the... Um, Metal Christmas tree in Antarctica are the two that are the most fascinating to me just because I've never heard of any of it or even like not even in, in uh, normal conversation have we heard anything mm -hmm. about these things. Mm -hmm. No, no, I think, yeah, sorry. again, guys, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, I keep doing that thing because I feel like I got a cough. Um, I had a really nasty head cold uh, last week, which is why we kind of skipped a week. Um, but the pooping log for sure is one that was new. And then I think the other thing for me was probably the, uh, the decorating of boats. Mm -hmm. Because initially when I, when I had read that article, not that article, but a different article about the decorating of boats, uh, last week <clears throat> when we were originally, originally going to uh, do this episode, uh, I had thought that the boats were just boats that were on water. And I hadn't realized that people would decorate small boats that they would then put above the fireplace or on the table or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, I still don't fully understand how it represents anything related to the Christmas tree, but I get that it's at least some sort of, I guess it's similar because the boat is made out of wood and has lights and the tree's made out of wood and has lights. Yeah, I mean... I think that's a logical conclusion because um, one thing that, I mean, most people don't realize is, is Greeks were known for their the decorations that they would put on their boats as a whole. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, they're not the original ones that started decorating their ships, but um, the Greeks are one of the many that I find fascinating because of how much decoration was on their boats. Right. Um, so it, it doesn't surprise me at all that there was some type of tradition like that for the holiday season. Um, and uh, I believe it was last episode you talked about um, Saturn being the mm. original or, or one of the original traditions Um I can't remember the name of the day. It wasn't Saturn Day. Mm, I can't remember the exact conversation, actually. Like, I, I recall the Saturn thing, but I can't remember what it was. The, name the actual day is recognized as, or called. Mm. Um, but... Saturna? Saturna? Something, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which is actually Roman, not Greek. But 
if if you know your history, those two cultures were so close in their mythology because the Romans adopted the Greek uh, religion. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah. Any anything um, that comes to mind for how we decorate Christmas trees today? Not necessarily any research you've done, but um, just through the past years uh, of doing this tradition, have you noticed anything that is different now compared to many years past, like when we were kids? Um, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is just the expansion of what a Christmas tree looks like in, in terms of <clears throat> shape, color, uh, types of lighting what time of year they're used <laughs> because there's a, there's a house near my parents where my parents live they have a tree year round and they decorate for christmas and thanksgiving and new year and easter and valentine's <laughs> day and the fourth of july so the tree always has something for the holiday whatever it is for um is it is it green or is it i mean it's it's yeah the tree itself is is green it's just oh. you know fourth of july it's decorated with red white and blue and has stars all over it valentine's day it's a bunch of pink hearts and cupids that are all over it uh things like that don't fully understand it but i guess people some people just love christmas trees i guess or holiday trees i guess you call it at that point (laughs) well i i actually made uh, that suggestion to shelly one year because it was February before we had even taken our Christmas tree down. That's how busy oh, yeah. and everything well, we I, were. But I think a lot of people kind of leave it up late into January. I know we do. Uh, I, I leave mine up probably about a, at least a week, maybe two weeks after January 1st. Um, for me, though, that that's kind of tradition. You know, it, it always stays up a, a little longer. Growing up, that's how it always was. My mom always kept it up for about a week or two after uh, New Year, uh, but I, oh, I don't know. One of my favorite things, like I put my tree up a few days early this year, and uh, the one thing for me is like the first or set about the second week of January when it comes down is kind of like even though it's still very much winter because as of the recording of the show, winter solstice. So happy winter, everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know when the tree comes down, it's kind of like. The step forward into spring it's like okay here we go no more decorations coming out until march you know uh, <laughs> when we're getting ready for spring we're getting ready for uh for easter for saint patty's day things like that <clears throat> so i i, I lo- that's probably one thing that i'm always kind of nostalgic for as well is when it comes down i'm like cool here we go only you know a couple months away from summertime again really i mean in the north, like you and I are, you even more so nowadays. Mm. You know, summer isn't really a few months, more like several months from when then January. But nonetheless, there's just a feeling to it. It's like sweet. Here we go. Yeah, North Dakota. It's winter and summer. There's no spring or fall. That's that's our two seasons. Um, yeah, and. We actually didn't even put up a Christmas tree this year. Just that's how busy we've been. Um, we really even haven't even been able to 
decorate a whole lot for Christmas either. But um, usually we do. And the other part of that, too, is I don't know about everywhere else in the U.S., but North Dakota has been getting slammed with horrible weather for the past at least two to three weeks. So before I could even get to my shed to get my Christmas decorations, I couldn't get to my shed. So, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it, it's something that I think about every year. Um, because our Christmas tree, I, I love decorating it. But it's gotten to the point that there's so much on the tree that you don't even really see the tree mm-hmm. anymore. Even though ours is fake and it's a white tree, but you, we, I think we worry more about how many ornaments we can get on there or the intricacy of the ornaments that we're putting on our tree that we kind of lose the. Uh, true tradition of doing putting that up um and really what that boils down to is families coming together to decorate the tree together as a part of a tradition yeah but i i feel like my mom has a ton of christmas ornaments and i see it more as you know the more ornaments you gain over the years the more memories you have and each of those ornaments on a tree can represent a memory or memories uh, of past years. Um, that's very much the case with my mom's uh, tree. You know, you look at it and see things from when we were, you know, baby's first Christmas, one of my ornaments, you know, uh, stuff that I made when I was in like, uh, you know, like elementary school, stuff like that. You know, you see all this history, animals uh, that we have on their pets, um, even my Christmas tree, I only have like two or three ornaments that are becoming part of tradition, uh, but they're memories from the last three years since I've had this tree. Uh, and I look at it and think, you know, yeah, some of those things are gone, like some of those uh, elements that were in my life at one point, but it's still a reminder, like, yeah, that was there. I remember those years. Those are good years. Uh, and I think that's the most important part to the Christmas tree tradition uh, for for most people is looking at their tree it yes there's a beauty behind it but in my opinion <clears throat> despite that the tree is supposed to represent whatever you know christ in christian tradition or just the joy of the holiday spirit uh, i think it's really just uh the joy and reminder of past traditions and what you've experienced over the years yeah, th- I mean that's a good point too, but in in that case, why don't we just get just a raw tree and just put all the ornaments on it, not worry about the the bristles and all the other stuff that kind of makes it a little annoying to decorate the tree. I'm not saying that's what we would do. It's just it gets to the point that especially if you have a real tree, getting stabbed by needles every year kind of gets annoying at, at certain points, but no. Yeah. What you're saying doesn't make a lot of sense. It's just, it seems like I shouldn't say all people, but certain people lose that. Even that part of it 
to to make it a competition or something like that. Like who's got the better tree? Well, yeah, I mean, in this year I've seen two or three competitions around the city uh, where there's, you know, six to 20 trees and you can vote on which one's the best. Uh, and, you know, I think tradition like that has always been around. There's always there's competition and everything. Uh, <clears throat> but I, I, I do think that there's a time and place for it. And I think like in terms of the, I mean, for me, I, I don't know anyone who's posted a tree and said, Hey, look, my tree's better than everybody else's, you know, it's just post a tree because Hey, it looks pretty. Uh, and that's it. You know, so you know, <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> I promise I'll be getting off air here soon, guys. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I'm annoying everybody, uh, with the coughing and having trouble talking, but, um, I don't know. Like, I, I guess I don't see it. I guess I, you know, I, I can't agree with you because I don't see what you see. So uh, maybe it's different up in Indy, you know, I don't know. No, I, I'm just talking in general across the the U.S. specifically, mm-hmm. but um, I don't know. I working for the organization that I work for, I've kind of lost a lot of my Christmas spirit, especially this year. So maybe I'm just being a humbug too. <laughs> Here's the Grinch over here. <laughs> Scrooge. <laughs> All right. Well, we are coming to the end of the show, folks. Um, so this episode is airing right on Christmas. So if you're listening to it on Christmas Day, thank you so much for bringing us into your house on Christmas Day, which is one of our favorite holidays of the year. That and Halloween, we've talked about that numerous times over the years. Um, next week is our New Year's episode. Um, I, I think we're going to try and release it a little bit early on New Year's Eve instead of New Year's Day because we do kind of try and keep to that tradition of releasing it before the the new year's is actually here. Um, But I hope all of you are having a very happy and safe holiday season, uh, whether you celebrate any of the holiday traditions throughout the month of December, if you celebrate Christmas, uh, which is our holiday, Merry Christmas to all of you. Um, And as Eric said, happy winter solstice, happy Hanukkah. I hope all of you are having a very safe and happy holiday season. But until next week, where you'll find us for our final episode of Paratruth Radio for 2022. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace.
Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah, right? And yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Chipotas. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good pour. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.